Okay, so we're going to pick it up from the two lines on the bottom of Kuf Dalad Amad Just to review, we had a Machlekes in the Mishnah, a couple different opinions as to what's essential. We said yesterday that if you just spit alone, that's enough to have to do half chalitza. Not that she's mutter, but it's enough, minatayra, that she can't marry the brothers. So Rekika is something. So we said, who, who holds that way? It's not Revakiva. Because Rav Akiva doesn't consider Rekika significant biblically. It's not Rav Eliezer because he holds that you need both. So he said it's Rebbe. Okay, so we concluded that Rekika is significant midday raisa according to Rebbe. So here's the kasha. Umiyama Rav Akiva, Rekika leposla. Does Rav Akiva taka hold that spitting is insignificant as you just assumed? Vahatanya. Now here's what the Braisa says. It's a very important thing to, the Gemara now is going to give a, a nuance that will change what we've learned in the past and what we're going to be learning in the future. You know when it comes to like Hilcha Shabbos, we know when it says Potter, it means Potter Aval Aser. Potter doesn't mean Mutter, just Potter means there's no Chi of Chatas, but it's, it's Aser Abonon. Anytime it says in the Mishnah, or a Brisa, that a Chalitza is Puzzle, at least in this context, it doesn't mean it's nothing. It means it's a half Chalitza. Meaning, she's puzzled to the brothers, but she's not allowed to marry others. Okay? So remember that context. So the Bryson says like this. Again, we're assuming that according to Rav Akiva, spitting is nothing. Only Rebbe holds that it's something. Here's the problem. The Bryson says, Chaltza... Wow, we're, we're moving. Chaltza... <laughs> go to the next page. Chaltza v'loi rakika v'loi kara. This is the first step. If you did a full chalitza, you remove the shoe, but you didn't spit and you didn't say anything, chalitza sekshera, kosher, meaning she is free. A valid chalitza. Okay. That's if you turn off the shoe. Rokikav you just spat. So if you just spat, what's the halacha? Chalitza sapsula. It accomplishes half of the chalitza. When we said posel, we used to think it means nothing. No, no, no. Posel means that she's not allowed to marry the brothers, but she's not free. So chalitza subsula. So if she spat, then it's chalitza subsula. Then it's it's half of a chalitza, half of a chalitza. Half of a chalitza. So if you spat, it's half of a chalitza. So it is something. If you just said the psukim, but you didn't spit, you didn't take off the shoe, that's nothing. So this Braisa says that if you spat, she's also to the brothers. So it's something. Now the question is, who authored this Braisa? It can't be Rav Eliezer, because Rav Eliezer said in the Mishnah, that anything that's a Maisa is Ma'akiv. So it can't be Rav Eliezer, as we'll see in a moment. It must be Rav Akiva. So here's the kasha. We said yesterday that Rav Akiva does not deem spitting significant. Only Rebbe does. This Brisa says that by spitting, you're also to the brothers, because it's puzzle. Not that it's nothing, it's puzzle. And it must be authored by Rav Akiva. So you see, Rav Akiva does consider the spitting significant. Let's see it inside. money. Who authored this Brisa? Elam Rav Eliezer. If it's, it can't be Rav Eliezer, why? Because what was the first clause in the Brisa? If you took off the shoe and you didn't do anything else, the Brisa says, Not Rav Eliezer, because Rav Eliezer says, Any Maisa is Ma'akiv. There are two Maisim, Chalitza and Spitting. This Brisa starts off by saying that if you take off the shoe, you're Yoitza. Not according to Rav Eliezer. Rav Eliezer has that drush of Kacha Yeyosa. Rav Akiva, by the way, never had that drasha. He just, he took his drasha and, and he said, according to you, I'll play with it. But the only one who darshan that was Rav Eliezer. So the Gemara says, how could you say this Bryce is Rav Eliezer? can't be. Because the first clause of the Bryce is that if you take off the shoe, you yaitza, not according to Rav Eliezer, according to Rav Eliezer, you need two, it's like batteries, like I said, yes, you need both, according to Rav Eliezer. Not just one. So the Gemara says, 
Can't be Rav So who authored this brayse? It must be Rav Akiva. And what do you see? That Rav Akiva deems spitting significant. Oh, you must be Rav Akiva. And what does it say about just spitting? It says posel. It doesn't say ein kan beis michosh. It doesn't say it's not a chalitza. It says posel. Posel implies laman ilem laalma pshita. We have a chalitza dishtar lealma and lav laachin shmamina. It must be when it says posel. It doesn't mean that she's posel to marry others. We know she's not allowed to marry others because it's not a full chalitza. It must be posels to the brothers. So what what you see here is that Rav Akiva does deem spitting uh, significant. So but it's not significant enough to, to free her, but it's significant enough that she can't do yibam. Now, Rashi speaks out. The Gemara never answers this. What the Gemara says basically is, "You're right." So what's the difference between yesterday's daf and today's daf? Yesterday's daf we said that spitting is significant, meaning that she's also to the brothers midoraisa. Rav Akiva does not believe that it's Asa Midaraisa. That's Rebbe. That we had yesterday was Rebbe. I over here, Rav Akiva agrees that if you spit your Asa to the brothers, Midarabona. The answer is, Rav Akiva does acknowledge that if you spat, that's enough that you can't marry the brothers. But they're fundamentally different reasons. I'll tell you why. Yesterday's daf we had Rebbe. Rebbe holds that spitting is half of a chalitza. If you spat, she's half of a chalitza. She's Midaraisa, not allowed to marry the brothers. She's midderaisa, enough of a woman who did chalitza that she can't do yibam anymore. Rav Akiva doesn't believe that it's deraisa. He believes it's derabana, and I'll tell you why. He's afraid like this. It's a very simple svara. If a woman spits, right? Spitting is at the end of the chalitza process. Right? You take off the shoe, you say, you say the psukim, take off the shoe, spit. People, Rav Akiva says, listen, I believe that spitting is nothing. But once you spit, you can't marry the brothers. I'll tell you why. People are not going to know that she didn't do a full chalitza. They're going to see a woman spitting in front of Bezdin. Think that she did chalitza. And then like a month later, she's going to be doing yibam. They're going to be like, oh, I, I guess you could do yibam after you did chalitza. Okay. Which you're not allowed to do biblically. It's also deraisa. Deraisa, once, once you do chalitza, you can't marry the brothers anymore. Beis chalitza anal, kivin shechalitza in by bias. So Rav Akiva says the reason why you can't marry once you spit is rabbinically. And it's purely because people are going to see her spit, think she did chalitza, not realizing that it wasn't a full chalitza because they didn't see the whole process, they just saw the spitting. They're going to see the spitting, think she did chalitza, see her do yibam and say, oh, I guess someone after chalitza can do yibam. I guess she could change her mind. And because of that, Rav Akiva agrees that it's a rabbinic problem. Okay, now, the Gemara has one last point. Today's that most of the daf is quite easy. But the Gemara has a, a, a question, and that is, according to Rav Akiva, I get it. Once you spat, people are going to think you did chalitza, so you can't do yibam anymore. But let's say you didn't spit. You just said the psukim. Right? You just said the psukim. Nobody believes, even Rav Akiva says you could do yibam, because that's nothing. Why don't we say the same thing? People are going to see her saying the psukim, said, oh, she must have done chalitza, not see the whole process, see her do yibam and marry. What's the difference? The Gemara says, Maishna Rakiko, Maishna Kriya. The answer is, Kriya Issa Be Mitzchila Be Mitzchila Be Mitzchila the answer is very simple, and that is, psukim are done in the beginning and in the end. If someone sees her saying psukim, they're not going to think she did chalitza. They're going to say, oh, I guess she started the chalitza process, but she must have stopped. Spitting is at the end. If you see a woman spit, you'll assume everything up to that point was already done. 
Therefore, by spitting, there's more of a concern that people will think she did chalitza because spitting is after the shoe is taking off. So they're just going to walk and see the spitting and be like, oh, I guess I missed the shoe part, all right. But she's obviously someone who did chalitza. You just see a woman saying psukim, because there are psukim in the beginning of the process and in the end, but there are psukim in the beginning, people are not going to think that she did chalitza. They're going to think, oh, I guess she started it, and then she must have stopped when I left. So because the psukim are not at the end of the chalitza process, there's less of a concern of a bad optic. Okay. Now, we had yesterday that... Um, was this Avu the Shmuel? Exactly where I have it. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So this all started with a statement that they sent to Avu the Shmuel. They sent to Avu the Shmuel Yivama Shirakka Tachlitz. That Avu the Shmuel they sent to Avu the Shmuel the following teaching: Once a woman spits, she has to do chalitza. I mean, she's also to the brothers. That led us to this whole thing of is spitting significant biblically, rabbinically. Some have a different version of what happened. He never actually said that. Ikad Amri. This is what was sent to Avud Shmuel. Not if a woman spat, she has to do chalitza, but rather the following. According to this version, they sent the following teaching to Avud Shmuel. If a woman spat, and then she chooses to do chalitza, I'm sorry, if a woman spat, she has to do chalitza, like we had. I'm sorry, this agrees, Rashi explains, this agrees with what we had yesterday. If a woman spits, she has to do chalitza, but she doesn't spit again. Meaning, a woman spat, so he said, she has to do chalitza. Biblically, rabbinically, fine. she has to do chalitza. When she does chalitza, she doesn't spit a second time. So she's spitting out of order. Normally the spitting is after the taking off of her shoe. Over here she spat, which triggered the need to do chalitza. Once she does chalitza, she does not spit a second time. So the Gemara says, Have Yosef... Hold on, so that means that you could spit in the beginning out of order. Correct. So kihaida isla kamid ravami have a yosef ravab of our mama kame rakaka mikame de tichlitz. Amrle ravami, so a woman spat in front of our mama. So he said, okay, you gotta do chalitza. Amrle ravami, chalutzla vishari la tigra. Have her take off the shoe and she's fine, meaning she doesn't have to spit again. So Amrle ravaba, haba ina merak, but she hasn't spat yet. Harikakala. You know, she already spat before. Oh, vitere kumabakach, let her spit again. What does it hurt? Right? She spat out of order. So let her spit a second time. What does it hurt? There's no bracha. There's no, you know. The answer is nafik mine churba. It's going to lead to problems. The answer is this opinion follows the view of Rebbe from yesterday. That when a woman spits, she is usher de from marrying the brothers. So she spat out of order. Yeah? So this spitting is really not. It's out of order. She said, fine, let, let it be. Why let her spit again? The answer is no, it's a bad idea. Why? If she spits again, people are going to think that spitting on its own is insignificant. They're not going to realize that it's out of order. They're going to think spitting on its own is insignificant. And that's the reason why she's spitting a second time is because the spitting on its own was nothing. Not realizing that it's also de Eraisa once you spit to marry the brothers. So what eventually is going to down the line going to happen, people are going to spit. And then do yibum, not realizing, because they're going to see from this situation and say, oh, vice the the spitting was nothing, not realizing that we're making her spit again just to have the proper order, not because we deem spitting insignificant, but because people are not going to realize that. They're going to think that we deem spitting on its own insignificant, which we don't, and a woman's going to spit. We're going to say, ah, it's probably nothing. She could do yibum, which she cannot. So the reason why we don't have her spit again is because we want people to realize that spitting is, is significant. And if we make her spit again for the proper order, people are going to think that we're doing it because the first spitting was nothing. So in order to, to, to avoid 
further confusion, let it be out of order. I, my father mentioned, it's out of order. Why is that not, isn't that ma'akiv, right? This whole, this whole svar of we're not making her spit again is like based on the assumption, it's like, listen, you're really yotza anyway. So let her spit to be the proper order. Now, because if you spit again, people are going to think that the first spit is not good. That assumes that spitting out of order works, right? Because if it doesn't work, if someone's like, not yotza, right? we don't care about optics. Like, if it's not yotza, it's not yotza, right? We say, no, 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 don't make her spit again. Meaning, you're yotza bidyevit. In, out of order. I let her spit to get to the proper order. No, it's going to lead to confusions. People are not going to realize. But that means that spitting out of order is taka yoitza midaraisa, even though it's out of order. Because if it was not yoitza, we wouldn't care about optics. We would make you fix it. So the Gemara says, even kesidron, but it's out of order. The answer is kesidron loy ma'akva. The answer is, the order of chalitza does not matter biblically. Meaning, if you go out of order, you yoitza deraisa. Now, that's what he answered. Now, who suffered the Chuy Kamatcha? Rav Abba assumed that the answer he was given was just like pushing him off, which is a strange thing because like Rabban wouldn't do that for halacha, but sometimes you ask a shaila and it's like a klutz kasha and you get a klutz answer. So the Gemara thought that maybe, maybe that was like, you know, he's pushing him off. The answer is no. He looked into it and he found out, no, it's the truth. The Tanya, there's a price that says, Beisha hikdim chalitz the rikika, Beisha hit the rikika la chalitz, Masha asa yasa. It doesn't matter whether you did the spitting first, the chalitz first, it's yaitza. So the truth is, you see from this that out of order is taka yaitza deraisa. Now the Gemara says the following Maisa. In the Yushalmi, it's a much longer story, and it's an interesting story. It shows you of how, um, of how COVID can get to someone. There's a Maisa that Rebbe sent Levi to be a Rav in a town. Levi was coming straight from the base medrash. Uh, Yossi Hach was telling me that Rav Asher Weiss spoke about this. And Levi went, Imamish came straight out of the base medrash, and he went to this town, and they put him up on a stand, on a stage. And they asked him kashas. And he didn't know the answer. This Gemara is where the kashas and he didn't know the answer. The Yushalmi says, because the reason why he didn't know the answer was because the COVID that was given to him by being put on a stage, you know. And, uh, so, huh? I'm just sorry, sorry to yeah, yeah. back. So according to Rabbi Akiva, that wouldn't apply because he's holding his third one. Correct. Oh, uh, uh, well, the whole story is only because it's spitting his derisa. Therefore, we have. Yes, 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 yes. I would assume. I would assume. I would assume so. Rashi says yes. Yes, I would assume so. So happens to be like um, it happens to be. I'll just, I'll tell you quickly. Yes, he told me that Ravasha Weiss. Rav Asher Weiss, he's a, he's, a, he's a very hush of a speaker, and also he's like an orator. He's great. So Rav Asher Weiss, a huge Shalom And so he, he spoke at like the Aguda convention once, and he quoted this Gemara that Levi, that COVID got to Levi, and he forgot the Torah. So he says, I don't understand. I'm in a stage in front of a lot of people. I don't know. I'm, I haven't forgotten. Like, what, what's that? They're on him all the time. So he, <laughs> so he says, the pshat is, he said, it's, he said, if you have a very, very fine wine, and a little bit of soda falls into the fine wine, mm-hmm. it'll ruin it. But if you have this cheap, like a truly, <laughs> you know, it, it's alcohol, but like it, he says, Adarabha, this soda makes it better. So he said, Levi was so perfect. He was so, he was so untouched by COVID. He was so untouched by the world. The little bit of COVID like rattled him like a little soda. He said, me, I'm, I'm like, he's, I'm a truly, you know what I mean? Like, I, like he says, Adarabi, you pour soda, it probably makes it taste better. That's what he said. But th- this is that Misa. So Levi Nofik Lekraisa, Levi went out to be this Rav. You have to see him in Oh, he's, uh, he's, 
they come at him with stuff. <laughs> boom, boom. Then when he gets when he feels the plutz cash, he just looks at the person. Yeah, he's 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 <laughs> awesome. So he says like this. So Levi nafikli kreisa. But he said I didn't understand something, so he stopped and explained it in English. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. He taught himself English. Boi mines. They asked in the kasha. These are the kashas they asked Levi. They asked two halachic kashas, and then when he didn't know that, they went to Agada. They went to, to Machshava, because they thought, okay, he doesn't know halacha, at least let's mask in Machshava. So, If a woman's missing her hands, can she do chalitza by pulling the shoe off with the teeth? That was the shayla. It's a strange kehila. This is the kehila that he's taking over. That's the first shayla. Okay. Rakika dam mahu. If a woman spat blood, she's not healthy, and she spat blood, or I guess she's bleeding in her, in her mouth, and she spits blood instead of spittle, is that yoitza? It's the second kasha. And he didn't know that. So they asked him the third kasha, which is, The Pasuk describes a gzar din in shamayim that's written with ksav emes. It's written with truth. So they asked him, Is there a ksav in shamayim that's not emes? These are the kashas. He didn't know. So so he went and asked the base medrash. So So these are the answers. The first shaila was if she has no arms, can she do chalitza? He says It doesn't say to take off the shoe with her hand. Take the shoe off. If she takes off the shoe with her teeth, it says yaisa. The second one was blood. It says It doesn't say she spits spittle. She spat. So blood is 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 um, is, is enough. And the last one is So he says kasha. They explain that when it says in the Pasuk, MS, MS in Shemaim doesn't mean true. MS means a Shvua. There's Ksav, there's a decree that has an oath to it. That's very difficult to, to erase. Then there's Ksav MS. There's a decree that doesn't have an oath connected to it. So MS doesn't mean, MS is a Shvua. MS does not mean true. Everything in Shemaim is true. It's a matter of whether there's a Shvua to decree that Gzardin. How do I know that a gzardin that has an oath to it is not going to be torn up? The Pasuk says that because of Eli's children, Eli was a Kangadal times Shmuel, because his children were not following in the proper path, Hashem made a shvua that the house of Eli shall not live, and even if with a karbonus, I'm not going to erase that, meaning this is a ksav shi'eshimoy shvua. This is an oath that the house of Eli shall not survive, even, and that's with a shvua. And therefore, because it's with a shvua, it's not, uh, it's not going to be erased. So the Gemara says, but although it's true, even though we're saying that you can't erase, you can't rip up a gzar din that has a shvua. But Hashem always gives a fall. There's always the, the, the break glass in case of mercy. Hashem always has a way to, to allow, and that is Torah. If you learn Torah, it'll be able to override the decree of Beis Eli. Abaya says Chesed will override this. So obviously the Gemara points out that this, 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 these opinions were not theoretical, they were practical. Abaya and Rabbah, Rava, Tysus brings down some of Gairus Rava. It's not Rava Pashtus. Rava was not a Kayan. Abaya was a Kayan. And Abaya's Rebbe, Rava, was his uncle, Rava Barnachmeni. They were uncles, so they were, they were both Kehanim, both from the house of Eli. So the Pasuk says that the house of Eli is going to die. 
going to be destroyed. Now, pashtus, that would mean that you'll be killed at the age of 20. 20 is when, right, the 20, the Medrash says, is when uh, in Shemaim they start punishing at the age of 20. Abaya said that if you order, that, that the decree can be overruled by Chesed. Rabbah says the decree can be overruled by Torah. So the Gemara says, Rabbah v'Abaya medibes Eli Chesed. They both came from the house of Eli. Rabbah d'asik b'Torah, chaya arbo and shnin. Rabbah, who learned Torah, extended his life to 40. Abaya, who focused on Torah and Chesed, lived to 60. Okay. There was a certain family that was dying at the age of 18. So they asked the Zakai, what's going on? You obviously are coming from Eli. They were Kahanim, and he said, Oh, you must be coming from the house of Eli. So therefore, l'chuva is kuvat Torah v'tichyu. So go learn Torah, and that'll override the decree. Halchuva is kuvat Torah v'chayu. They went and started learning Torah, and they survived. And they changed their name. They were called the Mishpachas Yoichanan because. It's interesting. I, I, it, it's interesting that the Gemara Rav Yechem and Zakai offered. First of all, even Abaya had Torah also. It could be that it's hard. Maybe it shows, it shows you. It's hard to do both. It's hard to do both. It's hard to focus. It, like, why is it that Rabbah didn't? Because the answer is, it's hard to focus all your energy on Torah. Listen, to be like you know those Rosh Hashivas, like Rav Pam, that he's Isaac in Torah all day, but he's also running a Chesed organization. It's not an easy thing. So maybe he felt that that family can handle Torah which you need, and if you tell them to do chesed, then they'll start doing chesed, but then they won't learn Torah. So he said, okay, let's just learn Torah, and they survived. I don't know, it's interesting. Um, I guess the gzar din shi'eshi shvua, that you need a, a higher madrega. So the Gemara continues like this, How do I know that a tzibar will never have a gzar din against them that's sealed? Meaning Hashem will never seal a gzar din against a tzibar. So the Gemara says, what, what do you mean? The Pasuk describes regarding, uh, this is Pesukim regarding destruction, regarding the Chorban, that even if you uh, use soap, you won't be able to override the decree. What do you mean? Of course there's a decree that uh, the Chorban happened. There was a decree against the Tzibar. So how could Jesus say that it's never sealed? No, what we mean is that even if it's sealed, it'll able to be ripped. A Tzibar, a Gzair against a Tzibar, even if it's sealed, Hashem, if this Tshuva is able to override it, Hashem was always there if you call out to him, and that's talking about a Tzibar. Oh, now the Gemara says, this is a very famous Gemara, you're telling me that Hashem is always there, you don't have to search him out, but it says, that he's found, but you got to search him, so is Hashem required, do you have to research for Hashem, or is he there? The answer is, the answer is, has to search him out. A Tzibar, he's there, Hashem wherever you call him out. Now the Gemara says, there is one time a year where even a yachid has the rights of a tzibur, that Hashem is close to even a yachid. Yachid emas, kipurim. So 10 days, where even a yachid has the closest to Hashem to do tshuva, like a tzibur. Now, happens to be, on the, on the next time there's a geshmak so basically the entire Amit is a story, which I like. Yeah. Correct. Now, and Kavachoymer, if you dive in with a minion, they're going to say, how, how great it is. But yeah. So the Gemara continues like this. Um, now, 
we said we had a discussion before, and we said that Levi Paskind, after talking to the base medish, spitting blood is yaitza. So they said the following: if a, if a yavama spat blood, she has to do chalitza. Why? Because we said before that if she spits, it triggers the process, and she spat blood. It's impossible to not have some spittle there. Meaning the reason why spitting blood is enough is not because of blood, it's because there's got to be some spittle in your mouth. If you're spitting blood, there's got to be... So if a woman's bleeding and she spits it out, there's a little bit of spittle there as well. So the says, wait a minute. The problem is that's not how we paskin when it comes to a, 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 a nida and a yeledes and a zava, right? They contaminate through through um, through spittle, right? The spittle of a zava is metama others, and says the Gemara, The halach is that a zav contaminates through spittle, but if he spits blood, it doesn't contaminate, because that's not considered spittle in halacha. Also, if blood comes out of that part of the body, it also doesn't contaminate. You should probably see a doctor. But the point is, spittle of a blood in the mouth is not spittle. So when it comes to chalitza, we're saying that it is, but by zav, we're saying it doesn't contaminate like other spittle. So w- w- what is it? So the answer is, like kasha, kan kan The answer is, it depends how, the, how she's getting the blood. If she's bleeding, let's say, in her teeth, right? And she does like this, like she sucks it up to spit it out, like gathers in her mouth to spit it out, that will automatically have spittle. But if she's mamish bleeding, like sometimes you have like a nosebleed and you just, just to get it out of your mouth, you're not sucking in, you're just, it's, it's draining into your mouth and you're just getting it out, that has no spittle. So it depends on, I guess... You know, just metzias of uh, it depends how how the blood is there. As far as it doesn't need spittle before, it doesn't. So I, it's funny. It's interesting. I would I would guess I would guess. Um, yeah, I guess you'd have to go back, and and if if this goes well with what Levy said, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Unless it's a machlekes, I'm saying it's either a machlekes or you have to make it work that they're both talking about the same type of spittle, Ty- type of uh, yeah. Okay, next mice, the next page. Amrav Yidamarav. Go to the next page. Zudivrav Meir. Now the Mishnah said that a koton shenechlats is puzzle. Again, now we reinterpret what does puzzle mean. Um, so we said a koton that does chalitza is puzzle. So uh, again, we, we thought puzzle meant nothing. No, it doesn't mean nothing. It means that it's a half of a chalitza, that she's not free, but she's also to the brothers. So now, says the Gemara, that's the opinion of Rameir. Chacham disagree. They say, no, a katan's chalitza is nothing. Not just a half chalitza, not posel. Okay, fine. The Mishnah then said that a katana who does chalitza, a girl under bat mitzvah who does chalitza, is also insignificant. It's also a, a half of a chalitza, not insignificant, it's posel. Says the Gemara, I'm Rav Yudam Rav, Zudiv Rameir. That's the opinion of Rameir. Da'amar, where did Rameir get it from? That a, a katan and a katana cannot do chalitza? Because it says, Ish kasav b'parsha u'makshinon isha ish. It says ish, which excludes a katan from doing chalitza. And how do you know that if a, a, a woman who's a katana can't do chalitza? Because it says, we connect ish l'isha. Makshinon isha ish. 
disagree. They say no. It never says there's an age restriction on the woman. She could be below bat mitzvah, and it's a full valid chalitza. So the Tanakhama of Meir feels that it's only a half chalitza, and the Chum say no, it's a full chalitza. Now, man chacham, who is the who is the author of this opinion that a girl under bat mitzvah can do a full chalitza? The answer is it's Rav Yossi. It's Rav Yossi. Now, how do we know that it's Rav Yossi from the following story? To Rav Chia, it's an interesting story. Rav Chia for Rav Shimon bar Rav Chia and Rav Shimon, the son of Rebbe, have a Yossi, they're sitting in the base medrash of Rebbe. So you have Rav Chia and Rav Shimon bar Rebbe. So they're having a discussion between these two Rabbanim, and they're discussing how a person should face during davening. Should your eyes face downward, or should you, should you face the earth to humble you, or the heavens to humble you? So you could both go humble you, right? So, so the first one said, when a person davens, he should face down. Right? Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu's is on the Aretz, right? So the land will humble you. So look at the land of Israel. You should look at heaven. We look up to heaven. So you have a machlaikas, whether to look down or to look up. As Rav Shimon, the son of Rabbi, and Rav are arguing and talking about this, also, Rabbi Shmuel Rav Yaisi. Look at that. Rabbi Shmuel Rav Yaisi joins them. Amar lehu b'mayas katem. He says, "What are you talking about?" So Amar lehi b'tzvila. We're talking about davening and what way to focus. So Amar lehi. Amar lehu kach Amar Abba. So Rabbi Shmuel Rav Yaisi says, "My father, Rav Yaisi, said as follows: Hamasal sharech shiyetav ein of lamata v'libal amayla. Look down, but think of heaven. Kedeshi eskay mishnei mikrois halolu." That's the middle, you know, to, to compromise. So that's the discussion they had. Adahachi vahachi, asa Rebbe, lemesifta. As they're talking, Rebbe comes in to give a shir. So you have Rav Chia, Rav Shmuel bar Rav Yossi, and Rav Shimon bar Rebbe. So now all of a sudden Rebbe walks in. So what happens when the Rav walks in to give a shir? I used to see it with Rav Zelik. You'd clap. It's it it an amazing sight. You have 200 bach from le- learning loud, and then there would be a clap, and it would be pin drop, and you'd just hear a little... And everyone rushed to get back to your seats. So Rebbe walks in. Everyone's running to get to, to find the spot to sit down. They didn't have chairs. They sat on the floor. The problem was Rebbe Shmuel Rav Yossi was very heavy, so it wasn't easy for him to to first of all to move quick enough. And also, according to the Mar- the Yavit says he wanted to find a spot that was comfortable for him. He was a big guy. He didn't want to sit all cramped. So he's looking for like a spot. So the Gemara says. Um, the Gemara says, "Also, Rebbe Sifta Inu to have a kalili. Those are Rabbanim who were who were thinner. Yosef Beduchtai. They quickly sat down. Rabbi Shmuel Bar Yosi Agav Yukre. Rabbi Shmuel Bar Yosi because he was so heavy. Have a mitzvah He's walking now. When everyone's sitting down and you're stepping over people, it kind of looks like you're stepping on people. Even you're not, but that that's the look. So Amrulu Avdon. Avdon was the Gabai. Was Rebbe's Gabai." So Avdan said, Who is this guy that he's stepping on the heads of Jews? Who do you think you are that you're stepping over people? I mean, find a seat and sit down. I'm, I'm the son of Rav Yaisi, and I, learned, I came to learn Torah from Rebbe. So Avdan said, You with your walking now, you think you're worthy of learning Torah from Rebbe? So Yishmael says, and I'm I'm more distant than him than Moshe was to Hashem. 
He's finite to infinite. So Avdan says, You think you're Maisha? You think Rebbe's God? So they're going, they're having a, a very enjoyable, a very enjoyable back and forth. So you say, you know, did Moshe, Moshe wasn't worthy of learning Shem. You think you're Moshe? You think he's God? So that was it. So Amr of Yosef, Shakli Rebbe Limitarfase. The truth is, Rebbe, Rebbe, there was a taina against Rebbe. Rebbe was, there was a small punishment that Rebbe had for not standing up for Rabbi Shemar Rabbi Yosef. Rabbi Shemar Rabbi didn't do anything wrong. He was trying to find a seat. And, and he's being, like, uh, attacked by this person, yeah. Avdon. He didn't do anything wrong. And Rebbe should have stood up for him. And Rebbe should have said, hey, that's the son of Rabbi Yaisi who came to learn Torah. He's a Tamachach. I'm like, settle down. And because he didn't, the punishment was the Kamali Rabbach Vale Rebbe. When Rabbi Shmuel Bar said to Avdon about Rebbe, he said, you think your Rebbe is God. He didn't say my Rebbe. He said your Rebbe. The fact that he didn't, like, say my Rebbe, that was like a, like a, was like a punishment that Rebbe had to, that the big time Chacham didn't call him Rebbe. That was, that was something. So, Adahachi Asi Yivama Lukame, the Rebbe. The Rebbe. As this is happening, all... Hold Yeah. His name was... Yeah, but his name was Abba Yudin. I don't know. That's his name, Abba Yudin. In the Yerushalmi, his full name is Abba Yudin. I'm sure he was a good person. He's not... He's not Rosh Hashanah Yosi. He's not Rebbe. He's not. These are these are big. As we're going to see in a moment, upsetting Rabbi, upsetting Rabbi Shmuel Rav Yosi. You're going to see that Avdan's life was like borderline ruined because of this interaction. These were very very heavy guns. These were not Rabbanim that we're ever accustomed to. You, you upset a Tana. <laughs> it's dangerous. He was there to give like in the previous sugya to. Give the explanations of Yossi's father. Yeah. And therefore. Yeah, as we're going to so see in a he's moment. He said, I'm here to learn from Rebbe as opposed to. Exactly. His father exactly. As we'll get to in a moment. That's a good point. So th- these were very, very heavy, heavy hitters. So the Gemara says, as this is happening, um, uh, a Yavama comes in front of Rebbe. So Rebbe tells Abdan, go find out if she's. 12 years old, because Rebbe was under the opinion that in order for her to do Chalitza, she has to be adult. You have to have Shtei Cyrus. The Rishad, by the way, the Mepharshan talk about how you check. Uh, let's go with the most appropriate way. Go get a woman to advise you. Find out the, from the doctor whether she has Shtei Cyrus. So, Labasa Dinav, so Avdan walks out with this girl to find out whether she's an adult. Amrle Rabbi Shmuel, so Rabbi Shmuel, who's there, says, again, he's the son of Rabbi Yosef, he says, He says, you should know, Rabbi, my father, Rabbi Yosef, disagrees. And he's the opinion that we had before. And that is, there's a restriction in age for uh, the man, the woman. It says, But it doesn't say Isha. So the girl can be less than Bat Mitzvah. So there's no, there's no need to make Abdan check if she has Cyrus. She can be under Bat Mitzvah. That's what my father says. So, yeah, meaning his name was Abiyudin, but they did Avda. They changed it to Avda. Avda means lost because it's like a you know giving him a, a you know a little euphemism for not the nice name. So the Gemara says Amar Le Talit Sricha. So Rebbe calls back Avdan and he says, Hey, come back. You don't have to check. Why? The pas we got a psak from the Rabbi Yosi. Meaning Rabbi Shmuel called his father Rabbi Yosi. That's a psak that I'm about to das. So now Avdan is coming back to stand next to to, to Rebbe. So now he's stepping over people. So kipasa avdan, right? To get back, kipasa avdan. So Amr le Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi Yosi. Rabbi Shmuel didn't forget. He says, "Mishet tzarech le am kadosh yivsei am kadosh. Mishet enli tzarech am kadosh hech yivsei am kadosh." He says, "I could step over people because I am needed for halacha. 
I'm needed for Klal Yisrael, so I could step over Klal Yisrael. You're not needed at all. You stay in your spot. That's what Yishmael Rav Yossi said to Avdan. So the Gemara says, So the truth is, Rebbe turned to Avdan and he says, Stay. Meaning, you're right. You're not allowed to step over people because stepping over people looks disrespectful. Rav Yishmael Rav Yossi was allowed to because he was a Tamachacham needed for Psak. But you, there's no need. So the Gemara says, that year, I'm sorry, that year, that year, Nitzdara Avdon, Avdon got Saras, Tavu Shnei Bonov, he lost two sons, they drowned, Umanu and two of his daughter-in-laws performed Mian. Now, the, 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 the Mian, by the way, the, 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 the Mian is because to do Mian, you have to be under Bat Mitzvah. So it's connected to the whole Misa of him checking the girl. So he, he went through a lot of tsaris. Again, it just goes to show you that these sharp lines, <laughs> they're very cute, but these are sharp lines from Tanoim. And, and it just, it's a reminder that, um, that these, are not regular, these are not regular people. The same way when we went to, like, we went to Rav Gamliel, like he... He's hugging like you, but every once in a while he reminds you he's he's a, a Haredi tzaddik, like a, a Russian she, like a like a, a Meish Arim, you know what I mean? He's not American, you know what I mean? He's not like he'll give you a hug, but you gotta you, remember who you're talking to. So, Rav Shmuel Rav see these sharp lines. It led to that happened that year. But says the Gemara, But the truth is, thank God Abdon went through it in this world, and he's ashamed in this world and not the next. Okay. Now the question is like this. We said that a, a, a girl can do a chalitza under the age of Amit, so the question is how young? So he says, he believes that the age is putes. Putes is the age where a child is old enough to make kinyanim, biblically. And that's where they understand transactions, they understand that money buys things, they have a das that they're giving something up. I think it's, I don't know why, I, for some reason I want to say nine years old. I think it's eight or nine years old. But I think that's, I don't know if they actually give an exact date. That's called the age of putes. So you can't have a katana, because again, a katana, chalitza is still, uh, it's, it's not just a transaction, it's a severing of the relationship. You have to, the, the child, it can't be a two-year-old. It doesn't have to be a bar mitzvah. It could be putes. Uh, I just want to see if they have an age. Um, the Gemara there, the Gemara in Gittin explains that a child who is six or seven has that capacity. Okay, six or seven, I was a little off. Okay, so six or seven. Rava Omar Achadigila Oynas Nedarim. Rava says it's once she gets to the age of Nidarim, um, which she could start taking vows halachically, which is a year before Bat Mitzvah. Mm-hmm. 11 years old. But the halacha is until you get to two Cyrus. Let's finish up the daf. Whether you need two or three. We don't ask him that two is enough. You need three. You need a full bezin. But didn't Rabbi Nachman say that once already? He's saying it twice that we don't ask like that. What do you need it for? He already said. He said we ask him two is not enough. And we ask him need three. So it's 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 repetitive. The answer is three. You need it both. Why? If he just said it once, you'd say, yeah, you need three lechachila, but maybe two is enough b'dyevin. No, two's not enough. If you just had that statement, I would say maybe, maybe two's not enough, and you actually need five, like Rav Yehuda Shita. Kamash only needed three. Meaning he said it, he said it both, you need, you need three and not two, he said it twice, he said it twice 
because if he just said it once, you would see that you would think that l'chachili need three, but b'diavi have two. And if he just said two is not enough, you would say, yeah, maybe you need five. Kamashvulan, no, you need three l'chachili. Now let's just finish up. Um, we said there was a ma'isa that a, 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 a man and a woman did chalitza in the jail. So the Gemara says, At the end of the day, how do you know that it took place? There has to be some Eidos there. Anything when it comes to, by the way, the according to Rishayim, they, they interpret it as, you, you need two. Yeah, how do you just have, imagine a man and a woman, just, they did Kedushin privately in a room together. Do you think it's nothing? It's nothing. It, it has to be, you want to say you don't need a Bezdin, but how do you not have Eidos? So the Gemara says, you're right. The case was they were actually Eidim outside, meaning you always need Eidim. They were Eidim from outside who could see the proceedings. By the way, so this go back to Gavin, we talked about this. This means that you need Eidus, according to every opinion. So I guess in all those Gemaras that seem, so I guess in that case, I think you were talking about the case where the girl was being raised by the Yavamas and were afraid that she might have taken off the shoe, it must be that she took off the shoe in front of people. Because if there's no one around, nobody deems that significant. Now the Gemara ends off with this. Here's the Kasha. I'm with this. Actually, I want to bring the article because they have the, the version of the Ushami, which is very fascinating. The, the, the story, it says in the Mishnah, there was a Maisa, they did Chalitza in prison, and it came to Rav Akiva, and he said that it's fine. The question is, did the Chalitza take place in prison? Or Rav Akiva was in prison, and they asked Rav Akiva in prison. We just know there was a Chalitza that took place. It says, Bebeis Asurim, the Shalu is Rav Akiva. Does that mean they asked Rav Akiva when he, right, we know at the end of his life, before he was killed, he was imprisoned by the Romans. Does that mean Rav Akiva was imprisoned? Or the Chalitza took place in prison? So the Gemara answers, the answer is both. They did the Chalitza in prison, and they asked Akiva in prison. And I just want to read you the Yushalmi's report of how they asked Akiva, because the Romans would not just allow you to, 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 to ask him Shilas. The whole point, he was in prison for teaching Torah. It just goes to show you that even when he was in prison, the end of his life, they're asking him Shilas. It just shows you how important like Torah is to the Jewish people. So the, Yushalmi relates how the question was discussed despite the Roman decree banning the study of Torah. Rav Yochanan Hassanler, disguised as a peddler, stationed himself outside of Akiva's cell and called out, does anyone need needles? Does anyone want knitting hooks? Those are two just saying there. What if he performed chalitza when only he and she were present? So he threw it in like, you know, sort of Akiva looked out his cell window and said, do you have caution? Do you have spindles? Do you have kosher? Caution or spindles? And then he said, do you have kosher? That was his way of saying kosher. I just thought that was an interesting, you know, little report of what happened. All right, stop here.